Hey, it's Peter. For more than 20 years, we at Wait Wait have been doing everything we can to educate people about the oddest corners of the news, no matter how hard that sometimes is. Maeve, this week, the House of Representatives ordered an investigation to discover if the Pentagon ever secretly tried to make what into a weapon? <gasps> I can tell you, first of all, what the Pentagon is. That's very good, Maeve. Um, is it something to do with the weather? It is not. Can you give me a clue, please? I certainly can. I love the smell of Lyme disease in the morning. It smells like victory. <gasps> so it's the creature that you get Lyme yes, disease from? Yes, which is? The slug thing the a slug. that's in a swamp. Can Moa's distracting me. No, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> He's making a buzzing sound. And oh, no, 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 it's not that. It's more no, like... No. A bee? Like, no, no, Maeve? it's like... Um, what sound does a clock make? Tick. Boom. Oh. It's a tick, yes! <laughs> a secret Pentagon program to weaponize ticks. <laughs> if you want us to continue to force feed facts to the American public and our own panelists, then we will need your support. Please make your end of the year donation so we can continue into next year. Do it at donate.npr.org slash wait. And thank you. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Want to see your future? Look into old Crystal Bill. I'm Bill Curtis, and here is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, everybody. Thank you all so much. We have a great show for you today. Later on, we're going to be talking to stand-up comedian and actor Ali Wong. Now, Ms. Wong was a relatively unknown comedian until about three years ago when she did a Netflix stand-up special. She did it while seven months pregnant and wearing a really tight dress, and she instantly became a superstar. So I have two announcements for the radio audience. One, I'm expecting. And second, I can hardly move in this dress. But right now, we're expecting your call. The number is one wait wait That's one 8924 Now, let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Erin from Royalston, Massachusetts. Royalston? I know Massachusetts well, but I don't know Royalston. Where's that? I figured you would say that. If you've ever been lost in the woods and you don't have any cell phone service and you're really scared, that's where Royalston is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're like the Blair Witch. Like, yes, you're out there... Exactly. Nobody around. Well, <laughs> let me introduce you to our panel this week. First, it's a comedian you can see at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, California, December 10th and the 11th, or at Dr. Grin's in Grand Rapids, Michigan, December 19th through the 21st. It's Alonzo Bowden. Hello, Aaron. Next, a comedian you can see at the Atlanta Winery, January 23rd. Her half-hour special is now streaming on Netflix. It's Ida Rodriguez. <laughs> and also appearing this weekend on a panel on a radio show with Ida Rodriguez and Alonzo Bowden, it's Adam Felber. Hi, Aaron. Aaron. Welcome to the show. You, of course, are going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotations from this week's news. If you can correctly identify or explain just two of them, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show, you might choose in your voicemail. Are you ready to go? 
I'm ready, but I'm nervous. Don't be oh. nervous. Here's your first quote. Let us begin where our founders began in 1776. That was Nancy Pelosi on Thursday, not writing her essay for AP History, but instead announcing the House of Representatives was going to do what? Uh, they were going to uh, vote to impeach the president? Pretty much. They were going to write articles of impeachment, but close enough. They're going to impeach him. Very good. Um, on Thursday, Nancy Pelosi formally announced the House would be drawing up articles of impeachment against the president, which, as one pundit actually put it, guarantees the president is going to have a place in the history books. <laughs> you know, because before... <laughs> This, the history books just would have read, oh yeah, from 2016 to 2020, nothing much happened. It was chill. <laughs> Ms. Pelosi was very solemn, but her announcement of this momentous event was kind of flat, I thought. It's strange to be a bad speaker when it is literally the name of your job. <laughs> but then she was walking off stage. Oh yeah. Remember this? Uh -huh. And somebody said, do you hate the president? And she got really angry. It was an action movie moment. It was like, she, she turned back and she went back to the podium. Do I and hate she, the president? And she laid this guy low. <laughs> she said uh, that as a Catholic, she doesn't hate anyone, unquote, because the Catholic Church, of course, as you know, is traditionally very loving. <laughs> <laughs> to a fault. <laughs> She was steamed. Yeah, but her face almost moved. Do you guys? Yeah. Oh, you saw it. It twitched to the corner. I did. I, <laughs> I was going to ask if you guys agreed with me that you thought that her her announcement, as many of her scripted announcements tend to be, was not that great. Well, it couldn't be at this point because. I think everybody was like, well, didn't we already determine this? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's so like it season eight of Game of Thrones. You're either mm -hmm. watching at this point or you're not. That's right. true. You're on board or you're not. It's, so like, I, it's, like some, it's like a car plummeting off a cliff and halfway down, somebody says, I would like to announce we're going to be striking the ground. <laughs> yeah. However, yeah. it was probably in the end more interesting than the hearing the day before. That was when four law professors testified before the Judiciary Committee. That's a great way to grab the nation's attention. <laughs> Law professors. That's why Chairman Jerry Nadler's first question was, uh, is this gonna be on the exam? <laughs> uh, your next quote is from Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. You just watched his team's jaws drop to the floor. Now that was Mr. Trudeau speaking when he was caught on camera gossiping with other world leaders, making fun of whom? Hmm, maybe Trump? Yes, maybe Trump, Aaron, yes. Trudeau was caught on camera, but that he apparently didn't notice, speaking at a party during the NATO summit. He was talking to three other world leaders, including Boris Johnson, and they were making fun of Trump. They said, <laughs> Trudeau said things like, he's always late because of his crazy press conferences. His own staff can't believe how nuts he is. There was one inaudible phrase, but Trudeau seems to be saying, I'm sorry, I'm Canadian, I'm not allowed to be any meaner. <laughs> because seriously, was this like his idea of trash talk? We can help. <laughs> Instead of, oh, you watch his team's jaws drop to the floor, try, he looks like a basketball when the Pillsbury Doughboy had a baby. Let's or, go. he thinks world affairs is just cheating with another Slovenian model. Put some work into it, Justin. The other thing is that he ran on the other nations in the world are laughing at us. Yes, under Obama. And if elected the president, I'll make sure they do so on camera. 
<laughs> he did though. He got so angry at them laughing at him that he's canceled his last events and he flew home a day early on Air Force One. He was so upset he even was willing to pay the $200 flight change fee. <laughs> and he, was, he then, he got upset and he called Trudeau, quote, two-faced, which is accurate. One of them is black. And then... And both of them extremely good-looking. There you are, yes. Yeah. It, listen, it's hard to get mad at a Canadian racist. Because you're, you're like, eh, he really didn't mean it. Yeah. He's and Canadian. He, and you mate. know he feels you know. bad. All right, Aaron, very good. Here is your last quote. I'm a little nervous, but excited. Let's do this. That was an actress in an ad that made everybody incredibly upset this week. It's an ad for what piece of exercise equipment? Is it the Peloton bike? It is the Peloton bike. Very good, Aaron. This ad, if you haven't seen it, shows a young woman getting a $2,500 exercise bike from her husband for Christmas. And instead of tearing his head off, she's like, okay, I guess I do not meet your standards. I will try harder. She's lucky he didn't go with his first idea of a present, a tapeworm. I, I, did, I, did you, have you watched? Everybody's watching oh, that, yeah, right? right. Oh, so yeah. the idea is like she, she's making a video diary of her year of Peloton workouts. And at the end of the ad, we see that her husband and, her husband and her are, are watching this Instagram story. And they're celebrating her progress from being a ridiculously fit model to being a ridiculously fit hostage to her husband's demands. <laughs> Seriously, she looks so terrified as she's doing these Peloton workouts, you expect her to be holding up today's newspaper while she pedals. <laughs> well, that, that's the crazy thing about it. At the beginning of it, she looks fantastic. Yeah, she's she looks already in great shape. You know, it's not as if men didn't look bad enough. Yeah. We didn't really need this. No. To help us look like even worse. Yeah, that know. guy's embarrassing us. Yeah, we're... Yeah. We could be garbage without the Peloton ad. <laughs> now, the Peloton company, you should know, is standing by the ad. They're defending it, even though, and this is also true, their market value dropped nearly a billion dollars since the ad went viral. That, by the way, is the first time an exercise machine bought at Christmas has caused the loss of anything. It also shows how powerful white women are in America. Really? What do you mean? No white liberal feminists saying, hell no, we shutting it down today. Right, we gonna start running again. Yeah, this, this is a thing though, right? Because they had to give up Soul Cycle because of the support. Right, right, because the owner of, of the company. Of there's a, there's what the they might have left. to ride a bicycle at some point. Really? <laughs> what, what's you're, gonna, you're gonna find oh, all these women Vikram, riding bicycles in the traffic, squinting Vikram at the Yoga. sun. I'm gonna invest some money in cookies. <laughs> I think there's some weight gain about to happen, huh? Bill, how did Aaron do in our quiz? She was perfect. Three for three. Congratulations, Aaron. Told you it was easy. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for playing, Aaron. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We want to remind everyone they can join us most weeks right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago, Illinois. For tickets and more information, go over to wbez.org and you can find a link at our website, waitwait.npr.org. Right now, panel, time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Alonzo, the latest wellness trend sweeping the nation is it's getting... It's not Peloton. No, it's not. <laughs> 
the latest wellness trend sweeping the nation is getting a tan on your what? Oh. You're asking the black man. I am asking the black guy. Uh, I, I don't know your palms. <laughs> I, Peter, I don't know what you people are doing next. You know, well, actually, I, I can't keep up with you guys. <laughs> Let's see, what would you want to tan now? Your bum? I yes! Yes! Yeah. Not yeah. just your bum, specifically the area known as the perineum. Yes! Yeah. That is something usually only seen by your OBGYN or urologist. And they call it where the sun don't shine for a reason. That's yes. exactly right. Uh, so what happened was this started when various people on the internet, uh, like wellness influencers, like someone called Metaphysical Megan, and other people who definitely do not vaccinate their children, <laughs> <laughs> started advocating perineum sunning, basically taking your pants off, lying down, and pointing your moon right at the sun, which is so inconvenient to do it that way. Why don't you just eat chili peppers like everybody else? Well, if it catches on, air travel is going to be a lot more interesting. Yeah. Attention passengers, now we're passing over. Oh, dear God! Good morning, sunshine. Good morning, sunshine. Coming up, a podcast actually does some good in our Bluff the Listener game. Call one wait wait to play We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Google Fi, a phone plan by Google. Switch to Google Fi and get data abroad for no extra charge so you never have to worry about calling up your provider to let them know you'll be traveling. Google Fi is made with features that people actually want, like three networks included in one, which lets you tap into multiple networks for the best signal nearby. Learn more at fi.google.com. Let's play some games, everybody. Are you looking for the answer to life's funnier questions? There's naked, and then there's Canadian naked. <laughs> Every week, we blend comedy, trivia, and a special celebrity interview. All right, all right, all right. Ask Me Another from NPR. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is... Wait, wait, don't tell me. The NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Alonzo Bowden, Ida Rodriguez, and Adam Felber. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Segal. Thank you, Bill. Thanks, everybody. Right now it is time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. If you'd like to play, call one triple eight wait wait Hi, you are on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Greg Polite of Cumberland, Rhode Island. I'm sorry, did you say your name was Greg Polite? That is correct. Doesn't that put a certain limitation on you in the way that you can interact socially? Well, I, I can tell you that some days are better than others. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> well, we'll test it out. Welcome to the show. Great to have you. You're going to play the game in which you must try to tell truth from fiction. What is Mr. Polite's topic, Bill? Pod Save America. Podcasts don't do a lot of good in the world, though they have provided jobs for over 5,000 Guy Razes. This week, we heard the story of a way podcasts are actually helping someone. Our panelists are going to tell you about it. Pick the one who's telling the truth, and you'll win our prize, the wait waiter of your choice in your voicemail. Are you ready to play? I am indeed. All right. Let's first hear from Alonzo Bowden. Brothers Matt, Marcus, and Monroe were each adopted by different families. They knew they were adopted, but they didn't know they had brothers. 
They may have never known were it not for the podcast Pitbull Rescue. Pitbull Rescue shares stories of pit bulls being rescued from owners who can't handle them. Podcast host Tony Ebelman says pit bulls have a terrible reputation but can be great pets. Marcus Braggs heard the podcast, was moved by the stories of dogs who were unwanted as he had been, and decided to adopt a pit bull himself from a shelter in Chicago. And he bought the pit a pink collar. He's a sweetheart and it seemed right. I don't know why, he said. It seems his brothers Matt in Boise and Monroe in Fresno heard the same podcast and were similarly touched. Each of them adopted pit bulls because they too felt unwanted, and each of them, for reasons they couldn't quite explain, bought their pits pink fuzzy collars. <laughs> All three men sent photos of themselves and their new dogs to Tony Abelman, the host of Pitbull Rescue. And he said, people do that all the time. But three men who look alike, each accessorizing their pits in pink? That doesn't happen. Tony mentioned a strange coincidence on his podcast. So each of the brothers got in touch, and Tony connected them to each other and hosted them on his show. Now, listeners agree there's never been an episode like the Pink Pit Pal Party. <laughs> Meanwhile, geneticists are trying to figure out what inherited trait makes a person want to put their pit bull in pink. The Pit Bull Rescue Podcast reunites three separated brothers. Your next story of a podcast saving the world comes from Aida Rodriguez. Kelly Manley had a problem. The Timonium, Maryland resident had planted 300 bulbs in her yard, hoping for a wonderful display in the spring. And almost as soon as they were in the ground, squirrels were digging them up. She tried everything, mulch, plastic sheeting, even wading behind cover and throwing rocks at them. <laughs> the squirrels ran away laughing, usually with a bulb in their mouth. Then one day, as she was helplessly watching the squirrels wreak havoc, her Bluetooth headphones gave out and the Joe Rogan podcast started playing through her phone's speakers. The squirrels instantly scattered. She turned it off, waited until they returned, turned it on again, once again, squirrel panic. <laughs> I had no idea Joe Rogan had such an effect on pests and vermin. She now has a speaker set up in her garden playing Joe Rogan 24-7, and the squirrels are gone. They really hate it, she says, especially the one where he gets stoned with Elon Musk. <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast turns out to be good at keeping squirrels away from a woman's garden in Maryland. And your last story of the world's most self-indulgent medium finally indulging others comes from Adam Felber. If you've ever explored the world of podcasts, you know that when you download one for the first time, you're almost guaranteed to hear two things. One, of course, is smug self-indulgence. But two is ads for mattresses, which seems like a sound reasoning on the part of the mattress industry, as in, if they're listening to this, they must have trouble sleeping. But according to this week's Wall Street Journal, thanks to the new plethora of mattress delivery companies and their incredibly generous return policies, a new beast has appeared among podcast listeners, the never-ending free trial sleeper. 
Yes, by stringing together all those 100-day trial periods and returning the mattresses right before the deadline, enterprising millennials have figured out how to sleep on the cheap. For instance, take Karen Beer, a 31-year-old software architect. He says he managed to test drive five free mattresses over a 15-month period after he said he realized, quote, you could literally do this and never pay for a mattress. And to paraphrase Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park, he was so preoccupied with whether or not he could, he never stopped to ask himself if he should. <laughs> Mr. Beer is not alone in this pursuit. Hopping from bed to bed is a thing again, but not in the fun way it used to be. <laughs> but someone out there is paying for these mattresses. For the past three years, online mattress companies have been springing up at a rate of 50 per year. And anyone who's ever spent time with an actual mattress salesman can tell you why. And to be fair to the schemers, taking advantage of a free trial period is not a crime. If you want to go to jail over a mattress, you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way by cutting off the tag. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so a podcast or podcasts did someone or someone's some good. Was it from Alonzo Bowden how a pit rescue podcast reunited three brothers who had never known each other but all had the same enthusiasm for pink fuzzy collars? From Ida Rodriguez, a woman who was able to save her garden by scaring away the squirrels with the Joe Rogan podcast. Or from Adam Felber, scores of people who figured out a way to get a free bed forever by just using those free mattress trial periods offered on so many podcasts. Which of these is the real story that we found in the news? Well, they all seem plausible, but I'm going to go with, with Adam. You're going to go with Adam's story about people getting free mattresses? Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, to bring you the correct answer, we spoke to someone connected with the real story. People who gained the system a little bit by turning in their mattresses, getting a refund, and then changing to a different one. There you go. That was Aaron Bada, who's the head of customer experience at Tuft & Needle Mattress Company, talking about all those mattress trial superstars. Congratulations, Greg. You got it right. Hey. Adam was telling you the truth. You've earned a point for him, and you've earned our prize, the voice of anyone you might choose in your voicemail. Well done, sir. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Bye now. And now the game where people who are rocketing to the top get snagged on something just for a minute. Ali Wong was a working stand-up and comedy writer when she did a special for Netflix called Baby Cobra that became a sensation in it. People saw a five-foot-tall, seven-month pregnant woman in a tight dress doing jokes so hilariously filthy that when it was over, instead of suggesting something else to watch, Netflix was just like, do you need a minute? <laughs> she has an acclaimed memoir out. She joins us now. Ali Wong, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So first thing, am I right? Was that, is it that special, which like everybody was talking about, was that the one that sort of picked you up and set you off? Oh yeah, I mean, it's a true story that when I warmed up for my special in my hometown, San Francisco, I did four shows at this comedy club that was a 400-seater, and I couldn't sell it out. So they had to put my tickets up on Groupon. Oh, really? And they, <laughs> yes, it was so depressing. I was pregnant, and my friends were like, I bought tickets to your show on Groupon. I was like, you're supposed to be my friend. You need to pay full price. It was, it's not like a cool thing if you're on Groupon. <laughs> no. um, so, and then the moment I knew that my life had changed was when I put shows up for sale at the same comedy club and they sold out in two minutes and went on the secondary scalper market for $1,000 a piece. Wow. <laughs> 
I mean, I love the special, but I was trying to figure out exactly why it became such a sensation. Do, do you have any idea what it was? It was funny. I'd like to say No, no, of course it's funny. <laughs> but I mean, No, but really. No, no. I mean, here's the thing. All right. Here's the thing. One, I actually started looking at some, you know, what people thought of it. And one of the things seemed to be that it was amazing to see a woman talk so hilariously graphically about various women's bodily functions. Yeah, I get like, I think I'm always fascinated by how our body constantly betrays us, mystifies us. And my dad was a doctor, so we always talked about those things very openly. We, it was never like, don't talk about poo at the dinner table because that was his life. I mean, his life wasn't poo. He was an anesthesiologist. Right. But um, <laughs> it was but, a lot more than poo. Yeah, if, if all but of a sudden was, he's dealing with poo, he's at the wrong end, and he probably... <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you've written a book called uh, Dear Girls. Uh, it's to your yes. daughters, including the daughter who you were pregnant with during the special, right? How, how old is yes, she now? Yeah, she's, she's four years old, and she's very aware that she was the one in the striped dress. Really? And Nikki, her, yeah, she's like, I'm the one in the striped dress, and Nikki's in the cheetah dress. Right. Oh, yeah, because uh, you, you did the next special when you were pregnant with your second daughter. Yes, and everyone keeps asking me if I'm going to be pregnant for every single stand-up <laughs> special. I'm like, that is not a sustainable career strategy. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to get pregnant like nine times? Yeah. And then, you know, I write in my book, too, about how there's a lot of guys, you know, who have some weird resentment and they'll say to me like oh Allie you are so lucky you get all this attention because you're both a female and a minority mm -hmm. and I'm like yeah because you know historically that's always been the winning combo yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired and they're of like, oh but you know you know me I'm just, you're so lucky because me I'm just another white guy I'm like why don't you be a better white guy <laughs> like a more funny white guy so you've written this book. It's called Dear Girls. Uh, it's gotten a lot of acclaim, deservedly so. And you say in the introduction that this is a letter to your daughters who are, as we just heard, very young. And you say, I don't want you to read this till you're 21. And then you show what you mean by that, by writing very frankly about very adult issues, including your own, shall we say, romantic history. Yes. You know <laughs> they're not going to wait till they're 21 to read it. You know this, right? I know. Oh, God. I don't want to think about that. All I want to think about is, like, potty training them and, you know, teaching them not to bite people and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, the thing that I'm most embarrassed about that I wrote is that I wrote this chapter about how crazy I was in my teenage years. Yeah. And I listed all the terrible things I did. And one of the things I did was shoplifting. Yeah. And I think that's the thing I'm like most embarrassed about. You know, not all the um, men I slept with. I think I'm like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. But it's the, it's the shoplifting. <laughs> really? It's truly like embarrassing and unethical. So. That's the yeah. thing. So how will you handle it if your daughters shoplift and they oh, open God. up the book and they're like, hey, mom, you did it. I know. <laughs> That's my worst nightmare. Right now, I'm just focused on keeping them alive, guys. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, we we heard that your dress from Baby Cobra is in the Smithsonian. I still have to send it to them. They asked for it, and I was like, "Well, you can have it." And I was like, "But you know, you better send me a prepaid shipping label because I ain't paying for the shipping." <laughs> 
<laughs> really? You got a call from this? You got a call from the Smithsonian Institution saying we want the dress you wore in your stand-up special because it was so amazing and seminal and important. Mm-hmm. And you're like, who's paying the shipping? Yeah, I'm like, I know you have a FedEx account. Come on. <laughs> well, Ali Wong, we are delighted to talk to you. We've invited you here to play a game we're calling Dear Girls Meet Dear Girls. You wrote a book intended for your daughters, as we discussed, called Dear Girls, so we thought we'd ask you three questions about dear girls, that is, does. <laughs> I, did, I did warn you, Allie. Oh, yeah. Answer two questions right. You want to prize one of our <laughs> listeners. Bill, who is Allie Wong playing for? Michelle Ryan of Alexandria, Virginia. All right. You ready for this? Okay. Yes. Here, all right. Here's your first question. Perhaps the most famous female deer, of course, was Bambi's mother. What happened to the young man who, way back when, provided the voice of Bambi? Was it A, he became a decorated combat marine who spent his career terrified his secret past would be discovered? B, he grew up to be famed character actor Charles Bronson? Or C, he was ironically and tragically gored to death by a deer? Oh, man. Well, it's definitely not C, because we would all know about that. That's true. Ooh. I'm going to go with A. You're going to go with A, that he became a decorated combat Marine? Yeah, that he was like a closeted Bambi voice. That's exactly right. Oh, God. Oh, wow. Donnie Dunnigan was his name. He spent his career in the Marines as a drill sergeant and as a combat vet in Vietnam, and he was constantly terrified his fellow Marines would find out about his childhood acting and start calling him Major Bambi. (laughs) Here's your next question. As Bambi, the movie proved, life isn't always kind to dear girls. And that was doubly true of the one that ran into Canadian explorer Francis Wharton way back when. Why? What happened? A. Wharton, who was toothless, killed the deer, made dentures out of its teeth, and then ate the deer with its own teeth. B, he desperately wanted a dog, so he forced it to learn to sit up and fetch. Or C, he um, married it. Oh, man. Uh, Desperately wanted a dog? You can't get a dog, fool? You gotta train a deer? That sounds absurd. All right. I might actually go with B. You're gonna go with B, he desperately wanted the dog, so he forced it to learn to fetch? Yeah. No, I'm afraid it was actually A. He, oh my he was a tough old guy. Very terrible thing to eat an animal with its own teeth. But he did it. That would have taught the Marine what badass is. I know. <laughs> that was literally the meanest thing ever done in Canada. All right. If you get this last question right, Allie, you can win it all. Here we go. In October, just of this last year, in October of 2019, a woman hit a deer with her car in Ohio, and police who arrived on the scene had a lot to investigate. Why? A, the woman, eager to avoid a DUI, insisted that the deer had been driving. B, they thought the woman was terribly injured, but she was just covered in blood for her Halloween costume. She was going as Carrie at the prom. Or C, the woman hit the deer after taking a wrong turn into a corn maze and got lost. I think it's B. You're right, it's B. Nice. They found the deer, the car, and this woman covered in blood, and they were calling the EMTs, and she was like, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm just Carrie. See, like at the prom scene? That's what happened. Bill, how did Ali Wong do in our quiz? Ali answered two out of three correctly, which is a win for us. Congratulations. Yeah. 
Ali Wong's new book, Dear Girls, is out now. Her specials are available on Netflix, and you can find out where she's touring at AliWong.com. Ali Wong, thank you so much for joining us. Take care. Wait, take care. In just a minute, we go pew, pew, pew in our listener limerick challenge called one triple eight. Wait, wait to join us in the air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Pinna. Pinna is the only audio streaming service that combines original podcasts, audiobooks, and music expertly curated for kids 3 to 12. This holiday season, take the stress out of buying gifts for kids and give a gift you can feel good about. Entertaining and educational audio content, all ad-free and screen-free. Visit pinna.fm holiday. If you start your weekdays with Up First, now you can start your weekends with us, too. I'm Scott Simon. And I'm Lulu Garcia-Navarro. Stay caught up with NPR News six days a week. Up First, NPR's morning news podcast, weekdays at 6 Eastern, and now with weekend hours, too, Saturdays at 8 Eastern. From NPR at WBEC Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Ida Rodriguez, Adam Felber, and Alonzo Bowden. And here again is your host at the Chase Bank Auditorium in downtown Chicago, Peter Sagal. Thank you, Bill. In just a minute, Bill sings the hits of his favorite lyricist, Stephen Sondrime, in our listener limerick challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at one wait wait That's 1-888-924-8924. Right now, panel, some more questions for you from the week's news. Adam, researchers have discovered that at least for women, red is the perfect color to wear for what? To a prom. No. To a funeral. No. <laughs> to dinner. What kind to of date? Dinner? Specifically. To a date with a guy named Dave. No. <laughs> First date. First date, yes. Okay. <laughs> Peter, he's been married a long time. Yes, it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. Alonzo was like, well, of course, yes. Yes, I used to wear red dresses to all my first dates. I know, and that's why you're happily married to this day. Yeah. Uh, yes, ladies, science says red is the best color to wear in a first date, and because it's the color of blood, it's also a reminder that dating makes you want to die. According to the Huffington Post, human men are attracted to red instinctually because females naturally flush when they are at their most fertile. Now, like, I mean, is, it, is it like the 1800s? We trying to repopulate or well, something? Well, no, but it's, it, what it is, it's related to the fact that as sophisticated as we might think we are, we're all still primates who are still operating on basic instincts, as it were. Some of the researchers who discovered this, in fact, said, quote, men act like animals in the sexual realm, unquote. So rather, this is good though. It means that if you're on a terrible date with a, f- a terrible first date, and you wish you hadn't worn your red dress to impress him, rather than asking a friend to text you to get you out of it, just throw a stick and he'll chase it. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, outside of my grandmother, I don't know really that many women who are like, I'm wearing red today for the guys. (laughs) When I read these articles, I'm like, are they trying to get women murdered? Like, (laughs) wear red, ladies. It brings out the animals and the serial killers all run to the yard. Like... It just sounds kind of crazy to me. I'm sorry. So if you're wearing red on your Peloton... <laughs> yes. 
Adam, some news from space. This week there's a problem in the International Space Station in dire need of a fix. Both of the stations, what, are broken? Microwaves. No. Uh, toilets. Yes. Toilets. Both of it's the... It's a limited list, people. Of things, things, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Both of the toilets in the International Space Station uh, broke down this week. Don't worry, official reports said all the emergency backup diapers were working just fine. Oh. It sounds like a joke, it's not. That's what they actually use until they could fix the toilets. Uh, well, NASA says the crew was prepared for this, like they're prepared for anything. It is true that one of the astronauts was very cranky and in need of a change. <laughs> As NASA worked on a fix, Mission Control rerouted the ISS's orbit to pass by the nearest Starbucks. <laughs> You think it's tough to get a plumber at your house. That's true. <laughs> I don't know how much it's going to cost to get one up to a space station. Yeah, yeah. a guy's got to bend over in zero G, too. Yeah. <laughs> do, do his, do, zero G, when you bend over, do your pants slip down? They come up. Yeah. <laughs> they actually have to design a special suit <laughs> just for that reason. Ida, a weak harvest this year might affect your fast food order. There's now a shortage of what? Potatoes? Yeah, potatoes? well, specifically French meaning... Fries, French fries. French fries, yes, very good. The threat of a national French fry shortage has many consumers terrified that they may have to eat a burger, milkshake, and apple pie all by themselves. <laughs> like back in the Great Depression. <laughs> While a weak potato harvest has diminished the nation's supply, fortunately, we Americans have prepared by stockpiling French fries in our abdomens for years. <laughs> And here's the tragic thing. We could have avoided this terrible shortage if any person who ever said, I'll just have one of your fries, was telling the truth. <laughs> so That's so American to have a shortage of a completely unnecessary food. It's like, oh yeah, the great French fry famine of 19. I was there. <laughs> we had to eat rice. <laughs> I love french fries. It's, I mean, is it the sweet potato fries too? Like, or we just have a shortage on the white potatoes or? I don't, I, I don't actually uh, know. Yeah. Do you like the sweet potato fries? I do not. I would I prefer am. a shortage of those. Those really? are healthier. I like the bad ones, the sugar that's, I love french fries. <laughs> <laughs> I'm upset about this. No, all right, I'm sorry to. I'm gonna wear a red dress to McDonald's. Yeah. Make sure I get some french fries. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank, but first it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you'd like to play on air, call or leave a message at one triple eight. wait wait that's one 888 or click the Contact Us link on our website, that's waitwait.npr.org. There you can find out about attending our weekly live shows right here at the Chase Bank Auditorium in Chicago. And if you want more Wait Wait in your week, check out the Wait Wait quiz for your smart speaker. It's out every Wednesday with me and Bill asking you questions all in the comfort of your home or wherever you have your smart speaker. It's just like this radio show, only now we can hear you. <laughs> Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Melina Kelson from beautiful Skokie, Illinois. Skokie, Illinois? <laughs> it is beautiful. Uh, my wife is from Skokie. I love Skokie. What do you do there? Uh, I'm an artisan bread baker. I have a wood-fired bread baking uh, situation. <laughs> is, that what, is that what you artists and bread bakers call them, a situation? 
That was a genuinely evil laugh. It really was. What are you doing? In there in the oven. Are you cooking bread? Well, welcome to the show, Molina. Bill Curtis is going to read you three news-related limericks with a last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly in two of the limericks, you will be a winner. You ready to play? I am. All right. Here's your first limerick. I lay bare my cat lady confession. I can't tell if there's love or aggression. The moods on his face aren't easy to place. And I simply can't read the... Expression? Yes, yes. expression. Most yes. people believe that their cats don't have facial expressions, just, you know, resting hate face. <laughs> but it turns out that cats do have facial expressions. They're very expressive. It's just that humans can't read them the way we can with, say, dogs. For example, depending on its facial expression, a cat might be saying, I want to kill and eat you. <laughs> or it might be expressing, you're not worth eating. <laughs> it turns out, though, that about 17% of people are really skilled at reading cat faces, understanding their moods and their needs. Those are the people the cats have agreed to let live after their uprising. <laughs> they actually spend time trying to figure out Cat, cat expression. yes, Alonzo. And then if they get the expression right, does the cat tell them, oh yeah, you're right about that one? <laughs> yeah, you got it. I mean, you got it, says the cat. Here, here is your next limerick. Though my wiper blade's sharp as a razor, for my windshield I'm seeing a glazer. It won't be a pain to shoot beams at the rain. Here at Tesla, we're mounting a... Laser. Yes. yes, indeed. Very good. Last week, Tesla filed a patent to replace windshield wipers with lasers that instantly target and vaporize raindrops on the windshield. Great news. It works on blackheads, too. They sound cool. Yes. They do. And they make sense for Tesla's interest in driverless cars because you wonder how they're going to make sure all those cars are driverless. How about pointing the vaporizing laser directly at the driver? Didn't he have a big problem with throwing mm. rocks through his that, yeah, truck that Yeah, we, we missed that. That happened the week we were off. He demonstrated his new electric truck, this super right. truck or whatever. And he said, let me show you how incredibly strong our windows are. Unbreakable, he said. He turned around, he threw a rock at the truck, and it smashed the window. Yeah. He did it twice. Oh, right. He yes. smashed him. He smashed him with a good old-fashioned rock, but now he's going to bring in a modern laser. Exactly. Well, and we're supposed to believe that's going to work. A strong enough laser would have taken out that rock. That's true. <laughs> we, were, we were wondering if somebody at the factory who really doesn't like him yeah. did yep. that intentionally. Really? Like, yeah. hey, we're going to put real glass where the bulletproof glass is supposed to be. Watch what happens. <laughs> and then, so imagine if the laser people get loose. <laughs> I'm going to skip that demo. <laughs> All right, here is your last limerick. Since students just know swipes and clicks, we teachers are trying new tricks. They'll stay off their phones till the birds are full grown. To distract them, we'll make them raise... I'm no idea. Brick? Make them raise bricks. No, you've already won, so I'll give it to you. The answer is chicks. Make them raise chicks, chicks. Twelve schools in Indonesia are trying to cut down on screen time for their students by giving them each a baby chicken to take care of. Can you imagine being one of these teachers? Suddenly your classroom is full of kids and bird poop. <laughs> <laughs> 
You'd be begging them to take their phones back. Oh God, please just watch a video. So a baby bird on your desk isn't a distraction in school? Yeah. Right, I mean, that's, I think they should have these kids study cat facial expressions. <laughs> and that, that's a challenge. That yeah. could give them something to do. Yeah, that takes concentration. <laughs> Bill, how did Melina do on our quiz? Two out of three is very good for Skokie I. Congratulations. Well done, Melina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Support for NPR and the following message comes from American Express. You've got big ideas for your business, but figuring out how to make them happen can be a real challenge. Well, the answer may be as simple as American Express Financing Solutions. They have over 4,000 specialists who can help find the right solution for your business. Chat with them today to see if you're eligible so you can get your plans up and running. The powerful backing of American Express. Don't do business without it. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash business. Support also comes from the NPR Wine Club. Discover hand-selected wines for the holidays, explore the stories behind each one, and enjoy unique bottles inspired by your favorite NPR shows like Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Pinot Noir and Weekend Edition Primitivo. The NPR Wine Club is the perfect pairing to support NPR's programming. If you're 21 or older, uncork a special offer at nprwineclub.org. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is now worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? I can. Ida and Adam each have two. And guess who has three? Alonzo! All right, here we go, Ida. You're up first. Here we go. The clock will start when they begin your first question, fill-in-the-blank. On Tuesday, a federal appeals court in New York ruled that Deutsche Bank must hand over Blank's financial records to Congress. Donald Trump. That's right. This week, the House voted to rebuke Blank for their treatment of millions of Uyghur Muslims. No, 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 no. Um. Blurt something out. Anything. China. There you go. (laughs) This week, the U.S. Justice Department announced charges against two Russians accused of running a cyber criminal organization called Blank. Trump? No. The... The Russians ran a cyber criminal organization called Evil Corp. On Thursday, a spokesperson for Willie Nelson had to clarify that the musician had not stopped blanking. Breathing? No, smoking weed. Uh, On Tuesday, the National Board of Review named Martin Scorsese's movie Blank the best film of the year. The Irishman? Yes. This week, a man in London who ordered a new Apple Watch was disappointed when he received a blank instead. A phone? No, a plunger. The man ordered the $350 wrist phone as an early Christmas gift to himself. But when the package arrived, all that was inside was a $5 plunger. Worse, and a ticket to the space station. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bill, how did Ida do in our quiz? Well, she got three right, six more points, total of eight. And for this brief shining moment, she's in the lead. (laughs) All right. You don't know that, Bill. Adam. All right, Adam, you're up next. Fill in the blank. On Tuesday, California Representative Blank pled guilty to misusing campaign funds. Duncan Hunter. Right. This week, the White House announced plans to tighten work requirements for people who receive blank. Food stamps. Right. In protest to President Macron's proposed pension reform, over 30 unions led a massive strike in blank. 
France. Right, just in time for the holidays, the TSA confirmed that it is okay to have blank in your carry-on. Water. An entire roast turkey. Oh. According to the National Retail Federation, this year's blank broke shopping records. Uh, Black Friday. Yes, new research shows the head and neck injuries related to blank use are on the rise. Cell phone. Yes, thanks to a typo, a Christmas parade in Canada promised kids the chance to take pictures with blank. Satan. Yes! <laughs> The Comox Valley Christmas Parade is everything you could want for a winter festival. Pretty lights, hot chocolate, and a chance to take pictures with a big red man himself. <laughs> Satan. Yep. Ho, ho, ho. Sure, at first it may seem a little weird to let your children sit on the lap of the Prince of Darkness, but he did promise to get the kids anything they wanted for Christmas. All they had to do was sign a contract in blood. <laughs> Bill, how did Adam do in our quiz? Well, Adam always does well. Six right. 12 more points, total to 14 to push him in the lead. Very well done. So how many then does Alonzo need to win? Six. Half dozen. Here we go. Fill in the blank, Alonzo. This is for the game. Phone records released as part of the impeachment inquiry show ties between GOP representative blank and Giuliani associate Lev Parnas. Uh, Nunes? That's the guy. On Tuesday, <laughs> California Senator Blank announced she was ending her presidential campaign. Kamala Harris. Right. After being admitted for a UTI, former President Blank was released from the hospital on Wednesday. Uh, Carter. Yes. The Ole Miss football team lost to Mississippi State this weekend after a player was penalized for blanking to celebrate a touchdown. Dancing? No, getting down on all fours and pretending to pee like a dog. <laughs> According that, to that's a dance. That's, that's legally a, a dance. No, <laughs> According to a new study, use of hair dye and straighteners are linked to a higher risk of blank. Cancer. Right. This week, a high school in Florida became the first in the world to provide synthetic blanks for students to dissect. Frogs? Yes. On Wednesday, first responders in Missouri were able to help a dog who blanked. Had a heart attack? No, who had been sucked up into a Roomba. According to the family, the sleeping Shih Tzu didn't even notice the Roomba lurking behind it. <laughs> After police arrived, they were able to free the now dander-free dog, <laughs> who said that she saw her life flash before her eyes, and honestly, there was way more crotch licking than she thought there had been. Bill, did Alonzo do well enough to win? Well, he got five right, ten more points, total of 13 is only one behind... Adam! Congratulations! Thank you so much, Adam. In just a minute, we'll ask our panelists what the guy from the Peloton ad will be getting his wife for Christmas <laughs> next year. <laughs> Special thanks to Stock and Ledger Restaurant here in Chicago for feeding us. Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEZ Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions. Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godica writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our house manager is Deanna Capadona. Our intern is Emma Day. Our web guru is Beth Novi. BJ Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dornboss, and Lillian King. Our technical direction is from Lorna White. Our business and ops manager is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillog. And the executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Michael Danforth. Now, panel, what will the Peloton guy get his wife next year? Adam Felber. He'll re-gift the Peloton uh, he gave to the wife who will dump him this year. Ida Rodriguez. Um, a bigger couch, because he's going to be sleeping on it for the next year. And Alonzo Bowden. He's going to Jared's. <laughs> well, if any of that happens, we'll ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Adam Felber, Ida Rodriguez, and Alonzo Bowden. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thank you so much.
I'm Peter Sagal. We'll see you next week. This is NPR.